Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to the Court Case Podcast with me, your host, James Court. And me, Sweet Tea. We've got an amazing episode for you today. Today, we're going to be talking about uncontacted tribes. That's right. We're going to be talking about those people in the world that have no idea what else is going on in the outside world. And we're going to give our verdict on whether it should stay that way. All of that and more is coming right after this. Hi there. I'm Matthew McConaughey. Some of you might know me from my work as an actor. Other people might know me for being one of the most quotable actors of all time. But when I'm not making movies or making something that gets turned into a meme, I love to listen to the Court Case Podcast. All right, all right, all right. is correct yep do they yeah they do say that (laughs) (laughs) you said it with such confidence and just doubted yourself instantly (laughs) that's literally my life (laughs) (laughs) um but we've had a quite a cool couple episodes recently we the flat earth one got a lot of responses oh god we nearly got cancer i'm joking (laughs) we we didn't get cancer but a lot of like what was really weird was this was we posted just before the episode came out but we got loads of sort of like angry accusatory comments from flat earthers when i think that our episode is very impartial so basically they're commenting on our post they're not even commenting on the episode so basically they are seeing our posts our photos of what we've put as flat earth yeah just but for promotional purposes obviously that's not what we believe. Uh-huh. Obviously, we know that's not what flat earthers believe. Like we've literally had a flat earther on the podcast explaining it. So we're just using the fo- the ori- the photos that are on the internet because that's obviously the best way to promote it because that's the best way to get chat. Yes. And that is what's happened because the comments people haven't liked us using that. But we've gotten people that have literally never commented on seeing our stuff before commenting on this stuff because of what we posted. So yeah. a bit of controversy, but. Yeah, so that's the thing. What's annoying is that there's so many other podcasts that would never dream of having like someone with an opposing opinion on their show. Mm-hmm. Whereas we do, and we get people getting angry at us. We're literally giving them the platform to discuss their 
belief, their society, whatever it's called, whatever they want to call it, because I got told off for calling it a belief. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you got told off for calling it a conspiracy. Oh, sorry. I got told. See, I'm getting confused now. I mm-hmm. got told off for calling it a conspiracy. So we give them a platform to talk about their belief, but it's still not good enough. But mm-hmm. if we didn't give them a platform, we're posting about it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> if you. Yeah. And w- this was before the episode even came out. Yeah. So it got a lot of comments. I post, we do our Thursday thoughts, which we're a bit mm. slack on because it takes a lot of thinking for me to think of It's some... the only post at the moment that you <laughs> do a week and you struggle to do it. Is it Thursday today? No, it's Thursday tomorrow. Right. I'll post one tomorrow. Good. Um, which is the 1st of September for everyone. We're recording on the 31st of August. Little fun fact for you. Yep. But anyway, posted this Thursday thought. Um before the episode came out and it was a picture of flat earth and it was a picture of round earth saying which side are you on like what do you think Mm -hmm. flat earth round earth fucking hell (laughs) so um where was it someone's screaming you can't present a debate while mispresenting entirely one side of the debate that would make you an indigenous wank wank is that what digging dig you indiguous? I I um, Dis- ling- oh disingenuous oh disingenuous oh <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> um, I'm not saying you are because you likely think that the disc in space is what flat Earth is. Well, it isn't. Flat Earthers know that outer space is a fantasy, doesn't exist. No one has ever left Earth in that sense. Therefore, a disc with water falling off equally foolish to present. What side am I on? The one that is provable. The earth is stationary and water is level and everywhere we experience it. He wrote experience, but changed the E with a three. Right. Don't know why he did that. So he's a flat earther, but he didn't like our picture of flat earth that we had posted. Yeah. He said that it's not right. And um, flat earth Dave has contacted me again. He emailed me like a day or so ago, with a correct image of what Flat Earthers believe Flat Earth looks like, which I will be posting today on our Instagram. So a little update for you guys so we can get it right. Sorry. The thing is, we know we know what they think because we've had them on the show. And I understand to an extent that obviously maybe, yeah, we should be posting the one that he explained. But what's the fun in that? <laughs> because the fun in that? Because... Everyone else who isn't a believer of flat Earth, no, thinks of that one that I posted. Yes. So, surely that was better for that content for those people to see that. Because if I posted the one that Flat Earth's Davis sent to us, mm. which isn't for some reason annoying for them, when you type in flat Earth, that isn't the one that comes up. The one that I posted comes up. Yeah. I don't get that because obviously if. That that's literally is completely wrong, and that's probably why he's attacking us because we've used those ones. But um, but also I want to say that um, we posted that image two weeks after our podcast recording, and Dave had not sent us that correct image. So yeah. it's no, again not our fault. Yeah. So. Well, no, I'm not saying any of this is our fault. I don't no. think we did anything wrong. We with are what completely we... innocent parties, well, and we no, never we... do anything wrong. Shut up. But I don't, I'm not even, no, and no one here is saying that we've done anything wrong. All no, I'm no, saying. No. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just having a joke. No, I know you're just having a joke, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that the images are on Google. We use them. I understand that people are pissed off, but they're pissed off that the images are on Google, not because we've used them. Mm. Yeah, we could have used the one that Flat Earth Davis sent us, but that was, like you said, he only received it the other day. Mm. I got an email from um, a man called Tim. 
He contacted our website directly. Timothy Chalamet? No, just Tim. Fuck. I know. Got it. Uh, and he listened to our flat podcast. So this man had actually listened to it. And he said, uh, hi, guys. I caught your podcast with... Um, oh, the app decided to uh, crash. <laughs> that was as it. Soon I as caught I your podcast. <laughs> Imagine. Okay, here we are. We're back in it. He said... Um, he said, hi, guys, I caught your podcast with Flat Earth Dave. You need to look at the science behind his claims. Oh. There is a lot more info on why the Earth is not a spinning ball. Please contact me for some info, Tim. And then he provided his email for me to respond. I replied to Tim, and right. he has since replied to me, but I've not read it yet. Right. Um, I said, hi, Tim. Thank you so much for getting in contact. And we are glad that you listened to our episode with Dave. We really enjoyed having him on. We found him extremely likeable and passionate about the subject. We are not serious flat earth enthusiasts, although we enjoyed discussing it with Dave for our two episodes with him. I am open to hearing more flat earth stuff from others, absolutely. Personally, I prefer to discuss flat earth in an informative capacity, not one of persuasion, but I'd still yeah. like to learn more. Yeah. Hundred percent. I think that's a very good way of of saying it. Um, if I'm honest, I'm. I've we've done it now. We've done that that's subject. We don't need to have somebody else on the podcast because that podcast will then be turning into, like you said, a persuasive. I don't think he wants to come on. No, I know, but I'm just saying that that chapter for me is done. Like, fair enough. He no, wants, I agree. Yeah, he wants to offer us more information, but I don't. I don't care for it. <laughs> no, we, we've done two bloody episodes. Exactly. Don't I don't care for it now. We've we've done it. We've posted it. We've promoted it. Mm. And now we're going to move on to another, other topics. But we'll, e- we'll end with his response. Go on then. He said, thanks for getting back to me. I'm not trying to persuade anyone. He misspelled persuade. He put persuance. I'm not trying to persuance anyone. I'm just providing facts to people with open minds. I'm part of a Discord server called 24-7 Flat Earth Discord, where we discuss Flat Earth and the problems with the ball earth in in-depth discussions. It's more of a scientific way of looking at it without making speculations we can't prove. If you're interested in coming on Discord to have a chat, then I can organise it. It's a friendly place, as long as you can be honest. Please let me know, Tim. Thanks, Tim, but no thanks, Tim. Um, yeah, we we do really appreciate you listening. We appreciate you know having open discussions. But like T said, we're a podcast that gives verdicts on on different topics, and we move on from topic to yeah. topic. So it's probably the last we'll spend on the podcast talking about flat earth. Uh, maybe on our social media, I'll talk about it a bit more because uh, like we're going to post a couple more yeah. posts about it. But that's Look, about it. In the politest way possible, I appreciate that people have got a passion mm-hmm. and they want to pursue their life to you know study flat earth that's amazing i wish i had that kind of drive for certain subjects but i'm not like that like at the end of the day i don't actually care what shape the earth is i just want to get on with life now i'm on earth you know what i mean i understand sweet so you do you yeah you do you boo (laughs) you do you boo cool and now with that flat earth um call of debrief uh today we're going to get on to our main topic and we've also got some very juicy courting with james towards the end of the show today but we're going to get on to our main con uh ugh, main topic which is uncontacted tribes and that is coming up right after this Welcome back, everybody. Um, so today's main topic. Normally, I do tell T 
well, the topic is, and I don't really say much else. But yeah, but me and James ain't been speaking recently, so he's not yeah. told me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I didn't even tell her what it would be today. I just, uh, at that when we recorded that intro, when I teased it, it's the first that she knows what the topic yeah, is. Yeah, he stared into my soul to see my reaction. Mm. It's very strange. So when you think of the term uncontacted tribes... What what springs to mind for you first? What do you think? How do we know about them if they're incontactable? Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. It's no, it's it's not that they're uncontactable. It's the oh, in on is it in or on? Because I said incontactable. Uncontactable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, it's not that it's all the oh actually there is one that we physically can't. But it's not that. It's the fact that we have tried to contact them and they don't want it at all oh right and 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 in the reason why i've i've done this topic is because literally two days ago um a tribe was in the news on in headlines um basically oh. which we're going to get to later I didn't know that. yeah so i saw it and i was like this is actually really fascinating subject because what fascinates me about it is there's these groups of people in the world that they're they're still basically in the stone age they're tribes they're in huts yeah and and there's they've had contact with people and they don't want anything to do with it and they've just lived this whole existence not knowing or caring about the outside world and it just fascinates me that, yeah that is fascinating mm. so i've got some quick facts first so um groups who decide to remain uncontacted are referred to as indigenous peoples in involuntary isolation what are we called indigenous indigenous on if, if that comment no, disingenuous. Oh, see, why do I keep on thinking it's indigenous? What's <laughs> indigenous? Indigenous means from the country they are. So if, if for example, Native Americans, the ones that are originally from America, oh. um, they would be indigenous to America. Every day is a school day. Yeah, exactly. Um, our knowledge of uncontacted tribes, so this is to answer your question, is mostly gathered from neighbouring tribes that do want contact and have told us, and from aerial footage. Oh, so like if they've seen. P- so tribes. when we've just gone over in a helicopter. Oh right. That's the only most of the only time that, th- that we've got any knowledge from them at all. Um, most tribes throughout the world have some contact with outside people at some point. So uncontacted people refers to a lack of sustained contact. So they've met people, but only a couple times, and then chose to never again. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Many international organizations nowadays stress the importance of not contacting these tribes to stop the abuse and the spread of modern diseases to them. Yeah, because of they're so isolated, they could get a common cold. Oh my and god, just yeah, die. they would be like so they haven't got an immune system. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, in 2009 and 2013, the United Nations introduced guidelines that included a right to choose self-isolation. Um, the verdict that I want us to come to at the end of this topic is whether we think in the current day and age we should try and contact them or whether we should leave them be. So to keep your verdict Close that, to my chest. To the end, yeah. Okay. There are estimated to be around 100 uncontacted tribes still in the world. So a hundred uncontacted tribes, and in that tribe there could be a hundred more. Yeah, like, the tribes could be filled with like a hundred people. That's crazy. There, yeah. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Brazil has the largest number with around eighty tribes in Whoa. the Amazon rainforest. So out of the one hundred, eighty of them are in Brazil. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
So I've got a thing. So I've got I've picked some modern uncontacted tribes um, and put them by uh, continent. And uh, I'm going to talk to some some uh, talk to you about some of them. Oh, um, I thought you were going to get one on Zoom then. Imagine <laughs> that would be impossible. Well, no, because so, then that makes them contactable. <laughs> there was one in particular, the one that was in the news in South America, was what I wanted to talk to you about, and this tribe. Is literally called Man of the Hole. Now, they're called Man of the Hole because the tribe is one man. Just one man on really? his own. Yeah. And Man of the Hole, he was a... T- and the reason he was in the news is because he died three days ago. Oh. Um, and he was a Tanaru Indian who lived in the Amazon rainforest in Brazil. He was the sole inhabitant of the Tanaru indigenous territory. It is not known what language the man of the whole spoke, what his people were called, or what his name was. He is described as the world's loneliest man, and oh. in his life is described and his life is described as the stuff of nightmares. That's horrible. He was the last surviving member of his people following their genocide by Brazilian settlers in the 1970s to 1990s. The remaining survivors were killed in an attack by illegal miners in 1995 and he then lived alone from the mid-90s to his death in 2022. So his whole tribe was wiped out apart from him and he lived on his own in the rainforest for over 20 years until he died. Jesus. How sad is that? That is really sad. Yeah. His language is extinct because no one knows what it is and he had no one to talk to. So, Oh, my God. Like, he wouldn't have spoken his own language for well over 20 years. How mad is that? Wow. There is um, footage of it. There's a few little bits of footage of him online. That In 2018, the um, Brazilian government released some footage of him chopping down trees in in the woods to show that he was like alive and healthy or whatever all right um he lived primarily by hunting and gathering and moving frequently he left behind a deep hole of unknown purpose in each of his homes giving rise to the nickname the man of the hole Uh. the holes were over six feet deep and he survived an attack by an armed rancher in 2008 and in 2018 attracted international attention when Funai released a video of him to raise awareness about the threats faced by uncan- uncontacted people. Yeah, so they released this viral video of him chopping trees in the woods. And it's like, it's just mad to me to think that how disgusting people can be. This whole tribe has been wiped out and it's caused him to just live in his own for 20 mm. years. So how how did he die? How do we know that he died? How um I will uh, well, well basically the Indian uh, Brazilian government um obviously have said that you no one's allowed to contact him but they have people that have monitored him over the years like oh, from okay. afar like from a mile or so afar they've gone and found him and checked on him. Oh right. Um he was found dead in his home on the 24th of August 2022. So that's just about a week ago. He was found lying down in his hammock and ornamented with feathers as if awaiting death. It was estimated that he died in July and was about 60 years old at the time of his death. Oh, he died in July, but they only found him in August. That's how little they, you know. Oh, my gosh. But uh, I just thought that was, like, harrowing. Just uh, how I can't imagine 
literally being living on my own for 20 or so years to the point where like even if you're in prison like you've got contact with other people yeah he's got no one who speaks aloud he, he wouldn't even if he saw people he wouldn't understand them that's like, really really sad yeah it's mental um but go moving on to some other uncontacted tribes it gets a bit gnarlier if you go over to india this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So in, in India is home to two uncontacted tribes that both live in the Andaman Island chain. Have you ever been there, T? <laughs> No. <laughs> so the first tribe is called the Andamanese, um, and an Andamanese tribe called the Jurawas live on the main islands, largely isolated from other peoples. They are thought to number a few hundred people. But the second tribe, now this is this tribe is just it blows my brain. Right. Right. Because think. Let's see if it blows mine. Man on the whole. Man on the whole. Man, <laughs> man, man of the whole. He was in mainland Brazil. He had had contact with some people in in the past and stuff. Obviously, yeah. he's seen white man. Well, no, it wouldn't be white man. It would be Brazilians. He's seen Brazil man, um, you know, kill all of his other tribe, you know. Yeah. But these these Centralese people, now they have had almost nothing, 
right? They live on an island called North Sentinel Island in the Bay of Bengal. And you, if you go on it on Google Maps, you know normally on if you search, for example, the UK and Google Maps, you've yeah. got the whole map, something like that. If you search North Sentinel Island, it is just blank because... They no can't one, get any no Google one, images of yeah, it. No one can get on there. So Jeez. they have no idea what the train's like. See, th- right, this is a quick question before you go into that. Yo. How do they, how do they manage to like get on an island and like claim it and like not actually be like told well, to get on? Well, people think from um, contact with the tribes on other islands that are happy to contact people that they must have been there for thousands and thousands of years. They've just always been on that island. Mm. Um, so no one really knows. So, like, the there. government couldn't, like, go over to that island one day and say, right, get off? Not without killing them all. Well, because I'll go into why okay. in a bit. Okay. Um, attempts to contact this tribe usually have been rejected, oftentimes with lethal force. Jesus. Yeah, so the tribe's people just will go apeshit. Their language is vastly different from other languages in the Andaman Islands, which suggests that they have been isolated, so on their own, for thousands of years. They have been described by experts as the most isolated people in the world and are likely to remain so. On the 23rd to the 24th of February 2001, a joint expedition identified at least a few dozen individuals, but it was not exhaustive, so there was probably a lot more than that. Mm. Um, After the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, helicopter surveys confirmed that the Sentinelese had survived. Since then, there have been few limited interactions with them. Individuals have attempted to contact them, but this is now against the law. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Indian government have said if you even try, you will go to prison. Um, Why is that? Because, one, they're extremely violent, so it's dangerous for you to do it. And two, they want to protect that people. You don't want to bring diseases over there. You don't want to, you know, trespass on their land. Because imagine if they did give them diseases, then you don't know how they're going to react. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, In January 2006... Two Indian fishermen were fishing illegally in prohibited waters and were killed by the Sentinelese when their boat drifted too close to the island. The, um, there were no prosecutions. Now, there, there is another... That was the first recorded um, <coughs> interaction with the Sentinelese tribe. There has been one more since, very recent, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and possibly, I think, the most idiotic man in maybe the history of mankind. Really? And I'm, I've got his whole story here and I'm going to tell it to you because it's just a, it's a very fascinating, one, it's fascinating what happened is this, to him. Is this the photographer that tried to go over to a tribe island and he got brutally murdered? Yes, yes. You oh heard my, about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't a photographer, but yes. Oh. Yeah, c- close. Um, so his name was John Allen Chow, and he was an American evangelical Christian missionary. So you know we went and saw the Book of Mormon. Yeah. So he's basically like that. He oh, did someone, he try and preach them? He wanted I to knew go, it was something like that. He wanted to go over there and, and spread the word of God. Yeah. Um, so prior to 2018, Chow participated in missionary trips to Mexico, South Africa, and Iraqi Kurdistan. He first travelled to the Andaman Islands in 2015 and 2016 as part of his missionary trips, but did not visit North Sentinel Island at that time. In 2017, Chow participated in boot camp missionary training by the Kansas City Evangelical Organization called All Nations. The training included navigating a mock native village populated by missionary staff members who pretended to be hostile natives wielding fake spears. 
During that year, Chow reportedly expressed his interest in converting the Sentinelese. Jeez. So he had this training session with his fellow missionaries and they pretended to be natives with fake spears. And he was like, this sounds fun. I'll go over there and I'll try and convert them to God. So does he actually think that he's just going to miraculously change this whole tribe that have been doing that for thousands of years? He honestly thinks so because he, wow. did, he did leave a diary, but um, there are some excerpts on the internet, which I've got here, but there's not the full thing. It'd be fascinating to read, but it's mm. not. Um, so in October 2018, Chow travelled to and established residence at Port Blair, capital of the Andaman Islands. He prepared... And one second. Yep. He prepared an initial contact kit. This included picture cards for communication, gifts for the Sentinelese people, medical equipment and other necessities. He's got a nice little care package ready for them. I don't think they give a fuck. No, but it's a nice thought. (sighs) During this time, visiting North Sentinel Island without government permission was illegal. Brilliant. So he's already breaking the rule. Mm-hmm. In November, Chow embarked on an expedition to North Sentinel Island, which he considered to be Satan's last stronghold on Earth, with the aim of contacting and living among the Sentinelese. Mm. In preparation for the trip, he was vaccinated and quarantined himself and also undertook medical training. Okay, that's good. At least, at least he's trying to prepare. John then paid two fishermen 25,000 rupees, which is $335, to take him close to the island. The fishermen were later arrested for this. Oh, savage. Yeah. Chow expressed a clear desire to convert the tribe and was aware of the legal and mortal risks he was taking by his efforts. He wrote in his diary, Lord, is this Satan island Satan's last stronghold where none have heard or even had the chance to hear your name? The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand, and I think it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people. Please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. Don't retrieve my body. So, so he already went in knowing that he might die. He's doing this by life or death. Jesus. Like, this is a committed man. That's crazy. An idiotic man, but very committed. On November 15th, Chow attempted his first visit in a fishing boat, which took him about 500 to 700 metres from shore. The fisherman warned Chow not to go further, but he canoed towards shore with a waterproof Bible. A waterproof Bible. Yeah. As he approached, he attempted to communicate with the islanders and to offer gifts. He retreated after facing hostile responses. Mm. But Chow was not one See, to give how up. Do, how do they know that he received these hostile... Uh, he was writing daily diary entries. But how did we get these diary entries if he's dead on the island that they can't go on? Um, he, he did th- um, trips over three days. So he was leaving his uh, diary entries where he was staying. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, so, hence why on the last day... Well, I'll get to the last day. Anyway. Okay. Um, so, he was hostile responses on his first day, but Chow is not one to give up. Mm-hmm. He goes back. On another visit, Chow recorded that the islanders reacted to him with a mixture of amusement, bewilderment, and hostility. He attempted to sing worship songs to them. Oh, my gosh. And this is another thing that shows how much of an idiot he is. And he spoke to them in... Exosia, uh, I think Chosa, I think, which is a language spoken in South Africa. Now, bear in mind, he's on an island off the coast of India. He's like, I'll try speaking to them in a bit of South African. I'm sure Fuck they'll, uh, <laughs> I'm sure they'll understand me now. 
Um, after which they often fell silent. No shit. Yeah. No shit. Other attempts to communicate ended with them bursting into laughter. <laughs> Chow stated that they communicated with lots of high-pitched sounds and gestures. Eventually, according to Chow's last letter, when he tried to hand over fish and gifts, a boy shot a metal-headed arrow that pierced the Bible he was holding in front of his chest, after which he retreated again. (sighs) On his final visit, on November 17th, Chow instructed the fishermen to leave without him. The fishermen later saw the islanders dragging Chow's body, and the next day they saw his body on the shore. That's how they knew that he was dead. Right, got it. Upon learning about Chow's death, the fisherman returned to Port Blair and gave Chow's diary to his friend, a preacher. He informed Chow's family. Despite efforts by Indian authorities, which involved a tense encounter with the tribe, Chow's body was not recovered. They, the law authorities had an intense encounter encounter with the tribe. They tried to go and collect the body and then the tribe sort of like, no, 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 shoot him away. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so the body was not recovered. Indian officials made several attempts to recover the body, but eventually abandoned all efforts. A murder case was opened following his death. Well, why? They're not going to arrest anyone. I know, and they haven't. Um, Chow was criticised for visiting the island. All Nations, the uh, group that he worked with, the evangelical organisation that trained Chow, were criticised on social media for describing Chow as a martyr. Um... So, yeah, that is the story. Do we know, like, how he was murdered? John and Chow, no. I'm going to assume brutally. shot... Brutally. either smacked around the head with something or shot with a bunch of arrows. Jesus. Something like that. Those blow arrows that they do, like, from the all mouth. Like, yeah, or like they look dangerous. Yeah, maybe. But, um, see, and, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why they're probably going to remain isolated for forever. Mm. But what... um. What blows my mind about this tribe in particular, right, is that you've got two scenarios here for this tribe. Is their whole tribe, not one person that's been born in these thousands of years, has thought, what is, what's over there if I swim off of this island? Well, they might have, but they... Or, or they have tribesmen that are just extremely persuasive and just... Yeah, like... Um, like... I don't know, like guards. Like if they try and get offshore, they're gonna get murdered. Because yeah. we don't know. They might have that. That might have happened. We have absolutely well, no idea. We don't know what their society is like whatsoever. No. So the leaders of the tribe could be like, "We'll kill you if you leave." Yeah, or whatever. exactly. But it, either that, or I just, what is it about their life on that island where possibly all of them just think? We don't need to know. We don't need to swim off this But then that's like us, James. Like, we've got this life. We're born into this life. Could you see yourself dropping everything and going and joining the tribe? No. No, but the thing is, no, I couldn't, but I know what's out there. I know that tribes exist. Because of this life. Yeah, because of this life. But the thing is, what I'm saying is, they don't know any of that exists. And Maybe that's why they don't want it because they don't know what it's like and it's like the fear of the unknown. Yeah, it could be fear of the unknown. But if you think that every human is built different with a different personality and different dreams and stuff, yeah. there's not been one tribesman in there that's thought, I want to see what's but out like, there. But like we said, there might have been, but they might not have. They might have tried swimming over, but they could mm. have been killed like that other man. We have no idea. Mad to me. Or unless it is just a case of they're all, they're all happy being there together like that's just like kind of like their religion like 
like a cult, if you will. Is a tribe a cult, would you say? No. Completely different things. Really? A cult is like a really hardcore religion. A tribe is just people you live with. It's just a colony of people. They probably have a religion. I was going to say, surely they have a religion. They most likely have a religion, yeah. but we don't know about it. But um, but uh, yeah, but how could they? How could these people want something that they don't know what it is? They could think, they might think about it, but be like, oh, we could be worse off. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, for example, back in history, um, Sir Walter Raleigh from the England, um, he was the person that discovered America. One day he was on England and he was like, I don't know what is in the sea all the way that way. Let's go find out. I'm saying is I find it mad yeah. that there's not a tribesman that's been like, what is off this island? Let's go find out. Yeah. But then what they could think is that everywhere is a tribe. And if they go to a different part, they could k- get killed. Like that yeah. man got killed when they came onto his island. You've mm. no idea what they're thinking. Yeah. There's a tribe in Brazil that when a uh, white man first uh, made contact with them, they thought that they were ghosts. Really? The tribes people thought they were ghosts because obviously they were white. Damn. Mm. Uh, but uh, what I want to know your verdicts. Like now we're in an age where, you know, everything is connected. Uh, there's climate change happening so the world is like in peril should we leave these people to it should we try and seek more contact with these sort of people no yeah i think leave leave them to it they're obviously happy because like you said if they wanted to Mm. if they really really wanted to if the whole tribe was like nah this ain't for us anymore let's go and see what's over there and they all came over they we would let them in open arms like we would you know bring them into society and help them but they don't want to or maybe they do but they can't or whatever but i don't think we should be making that decision for them mm-hmm. make like making them come over to our country because think they've never worked a jet day in their lives they they just hunt for their food mm-hmm. and that's it if they came over here oh my god they'll have to work for money pay bills for houses like they'll have no education like it would be mad well it would be even teaching them would be hard it would yeah. be it would be a i think even teaching the english language or the american or not american um like wherever they go like south african the well, indian language if argument's sake a group of them came over it would be a i think it would be it would take generations to teach them properly. You would have, oh, there, yeah. there would be some that you would obviously teach, try and teach the English language and then you wouldn't be able to teach them to work. You'd have to acclimatise them to that over a long, long period yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. But um, the thing that would we would do, which would suck, is if, for example, a tribe, a part of their tribe came over to here and said, we want to make contact now. And then, you know, we did. We would end up just going over to their island and just mining all their resources. Yeah. Um, which, because you know, that's what we. This do. would make a brilliant movie. Mm. I want to copyright that. The um the story of John Allen Chow would be an interesting film. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking this movie right, it's about a little tribe boy who yeah. wants to see what the world's like, and he swims over to. Isn't that Tarzan? Uh, he lived with the apes, and then he met people. Yeah, true. But no, but like, it's this is different. I'm thinking like he comes over to America and like you said, like over generations, you train him up to mm. 
Yeah. Someone else could make the movie better than I'm describing, mm. but I think it would be on the no. Yeah. But anyway, what do you guys think of like the uncontacted tribe phenomenal? It's really sad to hear about the man of the whole. That is absolutely tragic. His whole tribe, his whole existence is now Listen, gone. He's forever. in a better place now, though. Yeah. He's not as lonely. Absolutely. He's with his people in whatever religion, by whatever God he believed in. Yeah. Which is, which is nice. Uh, I've got some killer juicy courting with james is brilliant today. we're just dissecting on are we oh 100 straight on well we want to hear your guys's verdict on that so please contact us on social media and tell us what you think about the whole thing um if you've got any interesting facts or stories about uncut tribes that you've heard on national geographic or on the news or whatever but um or maybe you've contacted one yeah if you're someone that has visited tribes that would be very interesting tribes as well. for you Tribes for you. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, cue the courting with James jingle. Okay, I've got four today and I'm hoping we can get to them all. Okay, if not, we'll just have to bleed them over into next episode. But I'm going to start with the biggie. All mm-hmm. right. I just found out that I've been dating my biological brother for six years. Uh, uh... Ill, ill, ill. No, actually, no. I don't even want to know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. Right. I am thirty, and my brother is thirty-two. I'm just going to call him my boyfriend for the majority of the time. Oh, stop! While I type this, I feel weird about this. I was adopted as a baby, but I didn't know that I was adopted until I was in high school. I didn't feel betrayed or care much. I love my parents and my parents love me. Who cares if they aren't my real parents? My boyfriend was also adopted and when we met it was one of the things we sort of bonded over. We both didn't learn we were adopted until high school and we both were lucky and had good families. We weren't passed around from foster home to foster home. Our relationship was and still is great. We understood each other very fast. We were attracted to each other quickly. I've never met someone and felt immediate attraction and familiarity. Now I know that that the comfort and familiarity, familiarity is because he's my brother, not my half-brother. He's my full brother. We've done everything a couple that has been together for six years could do. Oh. We've said we love each other. We've had sex. We've celebrated oh. anniversaries. <laughs> we've met each other's families. I'm just glad we both agreed early on that we don't want to have kids, so that has never happened. I don't want to deal with the health risks and have to raise a child Fucking and them hell. know that their parents are siblings. I discovered it when we did the DNA test thing to see our ancestry and what exactly we are. I ordered two for us. We spit in the tube and sent it out. It took like a month for the results to come back and I was excited to see what we were both were. But before I could even get to that, I saw that we were siblings. I was shocked to say the least. I only just found out this information and I haven't told my boyfriend. (gasps) She hasn't even told him. (gasps) Oh. I'm really hoping they made a mistake, but things are kind of starting to make sense to me now. We always get the, you guys look so alike, or he's the male version of you. Long before this test, we've always gotten compared. We always just laughed it off, but I've spent the morning looking at pictures of us together and realising that we really do look so alike. It's freaking me out, and I don't know what I should do. I still love my boyfriend slash brother, and we have been together for six years. We have a house together and a whole comfortable life. I'm hoping that this test is wrong and we'll do a real test soon, but I'm panicking. I still see him as the love of my life. Um, so the test isn't wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Um, she's just kind of got to accept that. She's done a, a DNA test already, so I don't know what she means. She's going to do another one. Mm. Um, surely that's more concerning if one's, if it, if the answer changes next time, like... 
I'll take that for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me feel really uncomfortable, but I also do understand, like, that they didn't know mm-hmm. um, because they were both adopted and they both were obviously separated at birth or whatever, but that is... What is the odds that them two met and fell in love? I know, it's mad, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Um, Someone has replied to this, and... um. It's going to sound a bit wild, but I think I agree with his reply. I know you, I know what the reply is because I didn't want to say it, but I also kind of think it as well. Okay, well, should I say what his reply is? Yeah, because I don't want to say mine if it's not okay. his reply. <laughs> he said, well, to be honest, those DNA tests are pretty accurate. Be prepared to get the same result if you took another test. Literally what However, I, I know people will be disgusted by this, but in my opinion, as long as you don't get children... I'm not sure I see the problem. I mean, you didn't grow up together and have already been together for that long, six years. If DNA testing wasn't as available as it is today, you would never have known. This might just be my weird opinion on this, but obviously you will have a stronger bond to each other than you'll ever have to anyone else. It's sweet in a twisted way, maybe. I think, personally, I'm just going to say my opinion now, any other form of ancestral situation, I do not agree with. I think this is a very unique unicorn situation where i think one of them i.e the man because it's easier should get a vasectomy and then they should just stay together yeah i do agree kind of to an extent i don't know why we're kind of promoting well no but i think for me there is like billions of other people in the world they could just because can't like let's be real right you find out it's your brother and like, yeah, you want to stay together. Could you actually see yourself still staying with him now you know that he's your brother? Could you still see yourself sleeping with him now you know that he's your brother? Well, it will ruin the relationship anyway. So why don't they just call it quits now, be friends and... I, I understand that bit, right? But one, like the guy said, they didn't grow up together. They met like any other normal couple would. And um, I understand about the DNA test. They've been together six years. They've got a house together. Yeah, no, they've I, I, decided I know, I know. that they both do not want kids. I know. So there's that's not a problem. That's the main problem with incestuous relationships. Um, and also the fact that it's fucking wrong. Oh yeah, and that as well. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, I just think as long as they get stronger birth control, I think in this one instance, I think fuck it. But in the majority of other ones, I think... What, as in, like, just stay together and just don't tell anyone ever that your brother and sister... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And just don't get married. She said to him, she knows the information, and she said at the end of that post, I still see him as the love of my life. So it's clearly not faulted her feelings that much. Gosh, I want an update to see, like... She obviously needs to tell him as well because you can't have a yeah. relationship where you know that he's your brother and he has no idea. That's fucked. Yeah, she said she's going to tell him. Obviously. But um, I want to know what his reaction is because if his reaction is, we've got to call this quits now, mm. that's interesting. But if they both end up both wanting to stay together, then fair enough to them. Yeah, that's mad. Jesus. On to the next one. If there's ever an update, please let me know. Oh, I will do, absolutely. So this is a little bit more of a tame one in comparison, but it's something that uh, I want your opinion on, okay? Because um, it, I think it's interesting. Okay. Anyway, so this is cool. This one is called, My husband's boss refers to another employee of my husband's as, the, as his work wife. So what... Wait, sorry. My husband's boss 
Is, is that a woman? His boss but, a woman? I don't know. We'll find out in a minute. Okay. Refers to another employee as my husband's work wife. Right. Okay. I don't know why the paranoia is hitting so hard right now. I've never really felt paranoid about my husband cheating or anything like that. So I don't know where this is coming from. Basically, my husband called letting me know he's on his way home. He was telling me about his day, about how his co-worker Mark brought in the makings of a sandwich and started making everyone in the office sandwiches for lunch. That's a bit weird. <laughs> She's also said a bit weird in my opinion, but whatever. So my husband and Serena, the work wife... Both have basically identical sandwiches now. And the boss... What the fuck? And the boss walks in and says to him, are you guys sharing a sandwich? To which my husband responds, no, and explains the surprise lunch. I asked him why he thought his boss thought he and Serena were sharing a sandwich. And he told me that his boss has been saying Serena is like his work wife because they always joke around together and get each other coffee. I asked, how long has your boss been calling her your work wife? And he told me it's been like a few weeks. Also, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but now that I'm writing all this out, I've noticed that over the past couple of weeks, he's twice picked her up a case of Gatorade from Costco and brought it to her home. And when we what? That's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. And when we stopped by the liquor store, he got her two cases of wine because he had told her where we going by text and later brought them to her house. What? So he was bringing wine to her house. So I want your opinion on the term work wife and work husband. Um. Is that something that you think is right or not? I think I've got a different opinion on it than you. What do you think my opinion is? Well, you not, you're not going to like it. No, I don't like it now at all. See, I don't care for it. Right. So... Like, I don't, it doesn't bother me. Oh, right, yeah. Like, if you worked in an office and you had, a, like, a work wife, I'd, I'd find that funny. Because I know that that's not like genuinely like obviously right. This is the difference. His his is bad because I feel of his behaviour, like buying her wine and Gatorade and taking it to her house, and she's very exactly when she's very capable of doing it herself. Mm -hmm. That's when that's where I draw the line. But if it's just like a case of like I don't know, like just at work, it's I don't know, like it's just a name that they call you because of. I don't know the way that you behave or how similar you are or like he she helps you out or you help her out. I think then that's like chill. Yeah, but... Uh, but if you start actually acting on it, that's when I think there's a problem. The, th- the, th- the problem I have here is when you use that term is you could just have a workmate or your work close friend like... The boss saying Yeah, but that doesn't that, sound as good, does it? Your work no, close friends. But I f- the boss saying that gives me the aura of stirring the pot because he obviously knows that she's got he's got a wife. You would know that about your employees, especially because it sounds like they pick each other up to and from work. So him calling her work wife feels like he's stirring the pot. I think it's a bit... It's, I get what you mean. Even more so than if the husband came up with the term work wife himself. I think it, and, but I mean, like, at the end of the day, I don't think it's a term that needed. I th- I just think, uh, as a term, yes, it can be harmless, but I also just think, like, you don't really need that term. No, I like, do, I get what you're saying, but I think, like, that I'm, I'm more in the mind of it's harmless until acted upon. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it's a funny thing. Yeah, but I mean, if 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 at your job someone said that you had a work husband, I would immediately be a bit like, "What's going on there?" Yeah, 
because yeah it, it just seems a bit meh to me like just have a work mate like i just don't see why you need no but, i get what you're saying in every other aspect of life when you were at school you had your friend and you had a best friend when you're socially you have a friend you have a best friend when you go out with your girlfriend i know what you mean the one you're closest to you don't go ah oh, that's my night out girlfriend no you I just say that's no, my best james, mate james i know what you mean you're going yeah. off on one i yeah, get I what you're saying <laughs> like it is a weird term mm. but that's why i'm like it's just a weird term like it's not that deep right. unless it's acted upon i think that's when the problem he's acting upon it so that's why there's a problem but if you had a work wife and it was just a case of at work but and then outside of work you didn't act upon it then yeah. it really wouldn't bother me fair enough but maybe that's just because i'm such a chill girlfriend i'm not <laughs> psycho <laughs> maybe okay the next one this one i read and i was like what is happening <laughs> like i don't understand i've never heard of this before right it's it's wedding involved so already juicy so am i the arsehole for kicking my sister-in-law out of my wedding because of what she wore. Now, mm. you might think immediately, the sister-in-law's worn a white dress to the wedding. Oh, God. no, it wasn't, actually. I was oh. thinking that she wore, like, something slutty or something. Mm. Close, but also no. Well, we'll get to it. I, 32 female, married my boyfriend, 33 male, yesterday, and things could have gone well as they did, given what happened. My sister-in-law, 24, so the brother is... 33 she's 24 so there's almost 10 years difference has always been close with my husband which is great and all but sometimes it seems like she's obsessed with him and a little too close if i'm being honest she tackles him sits a little close to him always grabbing his arm his waist things of that nature um it's brother and sister in it very str- wait what oh this is the it's sister and brother we're talking about here sister and so it's her sister-in-law so it's the husband's brother uh sister oh my gosh that oh. is quite weird so my sister-in-law uh, chose not to be in the wedding party due to scheduling issues. So she was just going to be a guest. I walk down the aisle and everything is wonderful. I get to the altar and as the priest is saying some shit, I don't know why she said it Lovely. like that. This is her <laughs> wedding here. Uh. The priest is saying some shit. I look over towards the side furthest from the aisle and I see my, see my sister-in-law dressed in a fucking red dress. I was fuming. It took everything for me in that moment to not scream. Of course, sister-in-law wore the colour that traditionally meant you fucked the groom. I didn't know that. And apparently no one at all in the comments knew that ever either. (laughs) It's not a term. I googled it. I've never heard of it before in my life. It's not on Google. It's not on Google, that term. So where is she gotten this from? Where the fuck did you heard that from? I know. Um, and she's put, so she put, how convenient. And also, so you think this sister... Has it, fucked your your husband, uh, which is her b- brother. <laughs> and instead of asking your husband, have you fucked your sister? You were just going to kick... What the hell? Yeah. How convenient. <laughs> While I was angry, I had to finish my vows. I was planning to deal with sister-in-law after the ceremony, but everybody, including her, had rushed out to go to the reception. Husband and I arrived at the reception, and while husband was taking his seat at our table, I told him that I needed to talk to sister-in-law really quick. I found her at her table and told her that we needed to step outside and talk. We got outside, and this is where I went off on her. I asked her what the hell she was thinking wearing a red dress to my wedding, how dumb she thinks I am to assume that I wouldn't notice, and how dumb she is for thinking that I would be okay with her wearing a I-want-to-fuck-my-brother dress. 
She called me insane for suggesting that I would even insinuate that and told me that no one else seems to have a problem with her dress. I told her that it's not everyone else's wedding. Oh, I've lost the comment here. I told her that it's not everyone else's wedding. I then told her to leave. Here, she starts begging to stay, but of course, I wasn't having it. So she finally gives up and leaves. That is very harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, you are an asshole There's for more. that. I think you're being extremely, strangely paranoid that your husband is going around fucking his sister. Well, I think I think she's over-exaggerated those things she said at the start, and I think she's just jealous of their brother-sister relationship. Yeah, I think they're probably close, mm-hmm. a nice close brother and sister. Maybe she hasn't got that. Yeah, yeah. Given the drinks, the music and party, husband didn't really notice that his sister was gone. However, later in the oh, night... She didn't night, tell her fucking husband. Yeah. Oh, However, later in the night... The marriage. He finally noticed and asked around for his sister. Word got out that she talked to me and he confronted me about it. I told husband that I had to kick her out because of her dress. He was not happy. He called me an idiot for doing that and asked me why I couldn't have at least talked to him first. I just assumed that he felt the same way. Uh, yeah, why would you assume that? Oh, assume makes an ass out of you and me. It does. Also, and then why would you assume someone else felt the same way about something that only you on the planet think is a thing? Yeah, literally. Afterwards, we get back to hotel and fall asleep. This morning, I could tell that he's still pretty pissed at me. Word had gotten out about sister-in-law being kicked out, so I've gotten a few texts from cousins calling me an arsehole. Honestly, don't think I'm an arsehole for telling my sister-in-law who's wearing something inappropriate to my rent to get out. Uh, top comment says, my little niece wore red to my cousin's wedding last weekend. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, right, if she doesn't think that she's an arsehole to all these cousins that are messaging her, why would you then make a post on Reddit? Mm-hmm. You're obviously having doubt in your decision. Yep. Uh, she's been branded an arsehole. Yeah, because she is. I wore red to a, a wedding reception before. You wore red to the one the other other week didn't you well right i wear. I also wore red oh god we both fucked them we both fucked the groom see why would that be a thing why would someone deliberately out themselves in a wedding ceremony that they fucked the groom yeah. like that yeah. just clearly isn't something that is a thing someone has said okay you shouldn't wear white at a wedding we're all in agreement Black apparently means you wish bad luck on the marriage, which I guess I can understand the logic of. But now you can't wear red to a wedding? Does blue mean you expect the marriage to end in tears? Or green mean you think the bride is marrying for money? (laughs) Uh, What could all this mean? Uh, Some put, ah yes, the grand old tradition of wearing a dress to signal to one and all what you've done with your genitals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I guarantee that the dress was dark pink or wine coloured because OOP is that batshit. Um... (laughs) Jesus. Bloody bridezillas. Jesus. Well, that's a great, great start to the marriage. Imagine, like, if, like, I did that to your family. I don't think you would want to stay married to me because that's quite a dramatic thing to do to a family member when you've just gotten married. Yeah. Uh, someone has written, written a poem here. If to a wedding one wears pink, it means they have a furry kink. If to a wedding one wears blue, it is the bride they wish to screw. If to a wedding one wears green, they hope to use you as a latrine. If to a wedding one wears red, they fuck the groom or wish him dead. If to a wedding one wears yellow, they want groomsmen to fight in jello. Wow. Yeah. That's something else. So that's all the wedding uh, colour codes for you. If you've got a wedding coming up soon... Don't wear red. And you're thinking of an outfit, or do wear red, just to, you know... 
play with people a bit. Yeah, you know? wear think, red Whoa. actually and just see if you get kicked out as well. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. I wore red to the reception that we went to a couple of weeks ago and I was not kicked out and no one thought that I'd had sex with the groom. So mm. well, that was good. You don't know if they thought that. No, I wasn't confronted on it though. True. So that's okay. And also the groom introduced himself to me, which suggests that we had never met before. That could be just like a play in front of everyone else, though. That's a good point. I've been lying this entire time. Yeah, like he could have mm. gone, James, everyone's watching. <laughs> My name's Tom. Nice to meet you. <laughs> but realistically, you know Tom very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But anyway, that is our Courting with James. We'll do the fourth one that I've got on another episode. Um, we hope you guys have enjoyed the topics today. And, and if you, you really didn't, come episode. back again next week and see if you enjoy that one. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep trying. Just keep, if, if, if you haven't liked it, listen to it again and see if you like it the <laughs> second time. <laughs> Just keep listening to it, please. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, we will see you guys next week. We will. You will hear us next Yeah, week. you'll hear us in your ears next week. We love you guys. See you soon. <laughs> Lots of love. <laughs> Enjoy your weddings. <laughs>Hello and welcome to the Court Case Podcast with me, your host, James Court. And me, your host, Tegan. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.